Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in uh, the Gospel of John right now, but we are studying the life of Christ. We're taking all of the Gospels together, and we are portraying what the Bible says the life of Christ uh, was like. Amen. And we're going to go back to John chapter 3 and verse 14. We're going to begin there because this section uh, up until verse 21, very, very important section, amen, that we want to look at again and, at, and as a review, but also to maybe add some things that the Lord would have us to, to uh, consider concerning uh, this passage of Scripture. But before uh, we begin, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we acknowledge you as our God and our Savior, and Lord Jesus as our King and our Savior and our Lord. We love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Father, we love your Word. Now, Father, your Word is perfect, and Lord, your ways are past finding out. But Lord, you have given us uh, a picture, Father God, of your will and of your goodness and of your mercy through your word. So, Lord, we're asking you to enlighten us, fill us with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And, Father, we'll give you the praise and the honor and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We're in John chapter 3. We're going to begin again in verse 14. Notice John records this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Notice that uh, John records the type of the sacrifice of Christ that's found in Numbers uh, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. And notice when Moses made the serpent on the pole, he used, first of all, brass. And brass in Scripture is a type of judgment for sin. We see that in the tabernacle that the altar, the sacrificial altar, was made of brass. Uh, so uh, the cross of Christ was God's judgment for sin that was poured out upon the Lord Jesus. God's judgment of sin was to be poured out upon us. But God in his mercy and grace, he poured that judgment out upon Jesus, Jesus becoming the sacrifice for our sin. But notice also uh, the use of the serpent. Well, the serpent and Satan are synonymous terms, and they're synonymous of sin and rebellion. Sin is rebellion against Almighty God. That's why sin is so sinful. Scripture tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were born into this world as rebels, fighting against God. Isn't that your testimony before you came to Christ? You were a, a, a warrior against Christ. You opposed him. Maybe you mocked him. Maybe you thought light of him. But God brought you into obedience, and it's through the very sacrifice of Christ and him drawing you by his word and by the Holy Ghost. Now also consider the use of the pole. Well, that's an emblem of the cross. Jesus was hung upon a pole. Amen. He was hung upon a cross. And notice here that in this type, in this shadow of the brazen serpent, that all that looked upon the brazen serpent on the pole in faith, they had to look upon the post or the pole in faith, they were healed. 
and they lived. Praise God. And all that look upon the cross of Christ, even today, 2,000 years after the act, looking upon the cross, drawing near to the cross, all those that by faith look upon the cross will live. Praise God. Amen. Oh, that's such a wonderful story. Praise God. The wonderful story of the grace and the love of God that he poured out upon us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then John records this, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, probably one of the most famous scriptures throughout the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Actually, the word should is not in there, but have everlasting life. If we believe in the Son, and we're looking to the cross for salvation, we will have eternal life. And then, of course, John records, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. God has not sent Jesus into the world to judge the world. In other words, God, through Christ, has given the world the opportunity to find grace and help in time of need. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know, I remember hearing years ago and I don't know how they developed this statistic, but they said it takes somebody an average of hearing the gospel seven times before their eyes are open. Well, some hear the gospel all their life and their eyes are never open. Some hear the gospel for the first time and their eyes are opened. Amen. But whether it takes one message or a dozen messages or maybe a lifetime of messages, it's still God attempting to draw people to him through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This makes the gospel the most important part of the church today. That is our mission. Remember that uh, in Mark's gospel, he said for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. People are not going to get saved without the gospel. Now, people are drawn to, to the cross, there are, they are drawn to Christ through supernatural means. But nobody is going to get born again without hearing the gospel. Now, they may hear the gospel through the word of God. They may hear the gospel through signs and wonders. Amen. But I tell you, we, the only way for you and I to get born again, for us to be saved, is we've got to go through Jesus who is the propitiation for our sins. Amen. But notice verse 18, that those who do not believe, they're condemned already. We were condemned the very moment that we were born into this world. Well, how can we say that? Well, because we're born with rebel spirits. Amen. Now, that sin nature takes hold when we become old enough to know what we're doing and we have the right to choose and we, we choose evil over good. Amen. 
Now, that means that little babies, they can get born again. My wife was saved at the age of four years old. The Lord told her, when you were four years old, you opened up your heart to receive me. Oh, how important it is for children to be in church. Amen. To hear the gospel message. Parents, that's your responsibility to preach to your children the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But without Christ, man is condemned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then, and then Paul wrote this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is the gift. There is the condemnation, but there is also the gift of Christ that erases the condemnation. And then uh, John goes further and records, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And we see that in the world today, don't we? For everyone that does evil hates the light. I'm talking about practicing evil as a way of life. Doing evil. Amen. Present active. Doing evil. For everyone that's doing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Why won't sinners come to the light? Because they love their sin and they do not want to be reproved by the gospel. Righteousness condemns them. Amen. Because God is speaking to them concerning righteousness. They love darkness rather than light. But he that does truth, walks in truth, is doing, present active, is doing truth, comes to the light. In other words, God has done something on the inside of them to draw them. Amen. And they've yielded to the light. They come to the light that their deeds will be manifest that they are wrought in Christ. Amen. So we see the dual purpose of Christ coming. Number one, to pay our sin debt on the cross. And number two, through faith that comes from him. Amen. That comes from God. Through faith, God will grant us eternal life. Amen. And see, this is what it means to be born again. It means to receive the life and the nature of God. It means to, amen, uh, the condemnation that is upon our life because we're sinners. That condemnation is is washed away. Amen. It's erased from our life. And a new life comes. That's life in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And that is so important for us today to realize. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Now, we're going to come to this next session. It's uh, John the Baptist. It's his testimony, his own testimony concerning uh, the Lord Jesus. This is found in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. Notice this. And after these things, Jesus came and his disciples into the land of Judea. Now they're traveling north now. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salim because there was much water there. And they came, talking about those who were being drawn by the ministry of Jesus. Amen. By John the Baptist coming and they came and were baptized. The people came and were being baptized for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came to John and said, Rabbi, 
he that was with thee beyond the Jordan River, to whom you bear witness, behold, he is baptizing, and all men come to him. Now notice what John says. This is so, so true to our life today. He says this, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. We cannot be saved unless it is given to us from heaven by God the Father. This makes the ministry of the Lord Jesus, the present day ministry of the Lord Jesus, so very, very important. The only way that you and I are going to be saved is through the gift of Christ, that which God has given. Amen. Praise God. Now, what that does not mean is that God is going to choose who who is going to be saved and who are not. No, the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient for all men. And God has already spoken that he wants all men to be saved. He has already said, amen, that he's not willing that any should perish. And that means to die and go to hell, go into eternal damnation. He's not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So God has already spoken concerning uh, this issue. Amen. And he wants all men to be saved. Yes, he does. But notice again, and they and this is what John answered concerning Jesus and his disciples baptizing men. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Amen. So heaven has initiated salvation. Heaven initiates everything, praise God. And it's up to us to be able to respond to that. Well, a sinner responds to the gospel. Amen. We as believers, we respond to the Holy Spirit and to the word of God. Notice again what John says. He says, and you yourselves, you bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ but I am sent before him. He that has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom. See, this is what John is calling himself. He's calling himself the friend of the bridegroom, which stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. John is just absolutely elated. He's looking to Jesus and he's absolutely elated. And then he says, as this, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. I'm telling you, joy is expressed when we become so heavenly minded. Amen. We do not mind earthly things, but our mind is on heavenly things. We are thinking of the kingdom of God. We're not thinking of the kingdom of men. Yeah, amen. We're in great turmoil in this country at this point of time in our history. But that is not supposed to rob our joy. Our joy comes from heaven. It comes from the kingdom of God. It doesn't come from the kingdom of men. And I know the reports of things that we, we, we read and things that we hear grieve our heart, but we have to look beyond the things of this world and we have to look to the things of heaven. Amen. That's where perfection is. Heaven is perfect. And the work of God that's, that's at work on the inside of us is perfect. What God is doing in us is perfect. Amen. And we have to trust in our Savior. We have to trust in God the Father and the fact that the Holy Spirit is in us to will and to do of God's good pleasure. Amen. So that's where we set our affection. 
We don't set our affection on the things on this world, but we are set. We set our affection on things in heaven. That's why John the Baptist could say this. My joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And then he says this in verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. What a pattern of living for us to follow today. It's the true heart of a servant. And the true heart of the servant is this, is to decrease so that the Lord may increase in our life. We can't be master and slave at the same time. We have one master. His name is Jesus. And we are the slaves. We are the servants. We are the ones that do his will. Praise God. Now, we're not slaves in the earthly sense. Because we know that as servants of God, one day we will receive great reward for faithful service. Amen. Praise God. And God will always do us right. Always. He will always do what is right by us. Amen. Praise God. He always has our best interests at heart. And I say praise God for that. And then John says this in verses 31. He says, he that comes from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly. See, he's calling himself earthly. Let's back up and read this verse again. He that comes from heaven is above all. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus came from heaven. He's above all. This is John's testimony to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then John says this, he that is of the earth is earthly. He was born of woman. He was not born divine. He was born a man. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. See, John's ministry is down here on earth. It was down here on earth. John, Jesus' ministry is not only in earth, but it's also in heaven. Praise God. And then John says this, He that comes from heaven is above all. Speaking once again, to his deity, the divine Son of God, the infinite God-man. So John the Baptist calls himself of the earth, earthly, which means he's not, he's not claiming to be deity. But he says to, uh, concerning Jesus that he is above all and that he is of heaven. He's calling the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God. Amen. Praise God. And then in verse 32, John says this, And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no man receives his testimony. Amen. This is John's testimony. See, he's looking beyond. See, his ministry was to draw attention to the Lord Jesus. You see, and nobody's receiving his testimony. But... He's drawing people to Jesus, giving them the opportunity now that when Jesus comes on the scene to receive him as Messiah. And he that has received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Amen. Every born again child of God, their testimony is this, that God is true. And notice again how John says this. He that has received his testimony has set to his seal a mark, a brand, that God is true. 
Think about that. Think about the apostles that after the day of Pentecost that went forth and went all over uh, the, the world at that time, the Roman Empire, and preached Jesus and were willing to be martyred for the sake of Christ. They were sealed with this, that God is true. And Paul said this, let God be true, but every man a liar. Every man is a liar outside of Christ. Why? Because the testimony, God's record of a son, the testimony of the Lord Jesus is the truth. And if we don't accept the truth, then we're false. We accept the falsehood. And there are many people in this world today, they have set their seal that God is a liar. And they're going to pay the penalty for that. I have set my seal. I have been sealed, amen, with the fact. And I call it a fact now. It's not a theory. It's a fact that God is true. Praise, amen, praise God. Hallelujah. Are you sealed with the truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, I hope you are. Now look at verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives not the spirit by measure unto him. Jesus had the fullness of the spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. God the Father. Amen. He is the first person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. All three in one. They are co-eternal. They are perfectly in agreement with one another. There's no differences of opinion between the three. They are one God, eternally existing, in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. See? And that's why John said that Jesus has the Spirit without measure. Praise God. Amen. Perfect representation of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But now that Jesus has come, now that he has died, now that he is raised from the dead, now that he has breathed upon the church, and the church has been in existence now for 2,000 years, and that many have come and are born again, John, G, uh, Paul, in writing to the Colossian church, says, And you too are full. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit dwelling in you individually as believers and corporately as the church. Talking about the true church. There are many churches in this country today that God has written Ichabod over the door. They no longer preach the gospel. They are lost individuals preaching a social gospel. And God has taken the candlestick out of that church. I know I've been in some of them. I tell you, I could not sense one ounce of the Holy Spirit in their services. But he that God has sent speaks the very words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Jesus said this, and he was quoting Isaiah. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, or to preach the, the year of the favor of the Lord. Now, that year is not 365 days. That year, amen, 
is 2,000 years long. <laughs> Amen. We are in the favor of, of the Lord now, right now, 2,000 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are there, praise God. Amen. That's the gospel. The gospel is the favor of the Lord, that God has favored man to be drawn Amen. Out of sin into the kingdom of God to be translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. It's God's favor. Praise God. It's his blessing. Praise God. And he takes people exactly like they are. He transforms diehard Muslims in a moment of, of sprinkling, uh, a twinkling of an eye. Amen. God has appeared supernaturally to people. And they get born again. He's preached the gospel to people and they get born again. Praise God. He's made alcoholics well and healed. He's raised people up off the deathbed. Praise God. He's done many, many wonderful, mighty deeds. Amen. And all of that is because of God's favor. See, nothing's passed away. The miracles of God have not passed away. Amen. All the gifts that God has given to man, he's bestowed upon man. None of those have passed away. Why? Because we are in the year of God's favor. Praise God. Amen. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure unto him. Now, you and I have a spirit by measure. Amen. We're not we are complete in him, but we are not complete. Amen. We will not be complete until the perfect comes. I hope we understand that. We still have a physical body, a death doomed body that we have to deal with. Amen. Uh, we are uh, plagued with weakness. A lot of times infirmity. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. Amen. But there is a coming a time where we're going to be perfect in him. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And when I say perfect in him, I'm talking about spirit, soul, and body. There is coming a time when we will receive resurrection bodies. Praise God. But now Jesus Christ is the only God-man. He's the only one that's been given the spirit by my, but, but, uh, without measure. And he's the one that gives gifts to all men. Praise the Lord. Amen. He's God manifested in the flesh. And like I said, you and I, we have the spirit by measure. We're given the Holy Spirit through the new birth. Amen. Jesus has the spirit without measure. He did not need to be born again like some are preaching today. We needed to be born again, praise the Lord. So the full body of Christ has the full measure of the spirit. You have some. I have a measure. You have a measure. Every person in the body of Christ has a measure, praise God. But you take all the body of Christ, all together, we're talking about the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, made up of all true believers. That body has the Spirit without measure. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's why the corporate anointing is so strong. When we get believers together, that's why worship services are so important. Why, there's a corporate anointing there that God's going to work to a greater measure. Amen. And then John ends in verse 35. I mean, John records uh, this uh, uh, testimony of John the Baptist. Verses 35 and 36. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. 
Think about that. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. Not going to someday, has it now. And he that believes not the Son will never see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Think about that. Think about the wrath of God is abiding on the sinner right now. Doesn't matter what age he is. The wrath of God is abiding on that sinner right now. What does he have to do? He has to believe in Jesus. Now, I want to ask you this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I hope you do. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word today. Now, Lord, cause the word of God to go forth and produce fruit. And we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.